Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. On Love and Life, we talk about beliefs all the time because they're incredibly powerful and they impact every area of our lives, especially our love life. What we believe about ourselves and what we believe we have to offer a partner sets the tone we'll bring to our dating efforts and experiences. The problem is, oftentimes, we hold beliefs that are influencing our thoughts, actions, and choices. They're asserting influence over us but we don't even know we hold these beliefs. We talked about this with psychotherapist Elliot Anderson in episode 76 called Are Subconscious Beliefs Sabotaging Your Love Life? Elliot and I delved into the reality that subconscious beliefs we carry around with us absolutely affect our relationships in powerful ways, which is why it's so important for us to be introspective and identify these beliefs to discover any that might be derailing our efforts to meet our person. Today's episode picks up on this theme. Psychotherapist-turned-dating coach Melanie Hirsch joins me to explore how we can harness our beliefs and level up our mindset for empowered dating and empowered relationships. Here's a little bit more about Melanie Hirsch. Melanie Hirsch is a psychotherapist turned dating coach who teaches singles how to rewire the unconscious patterns that have been preventing them from having the love they want. Melanie believes dating and relationships are some of the most powerful catalysts for personal growth. Her approach isn't focused on how to get the person you want, but on how to become the person who easily attracts love in. Her unique approach blends psychology, spirituality, and energetics to help clients increase their self-esteem, know their worth, and easily attract healthy love into their lives. Her work has been featured in Oprah's O Magazine. My interview with Melanie Hirsch after this. Melanie, welcome to the program. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Great. I appreciate you coming on to speak to all the things that you are doing to help women, and I would imagine men as well, in the dating space. But tell the listeners a little bit about how you got into the space, because you were a therapist at one time, and now you've moved into this dating coaching realm. So let us know a little bit of your history. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I struggled so much with dating back in the day, and I could not figure out what was going on. Why am I having such a hard time finding a great available match? And so it was really a big pain point for me. And as I was a therapist, I would, I would see these single, you know, single women were coming in and they were struggling with it too. And I just decided like, I need to figure this out. Like this, I can't, you know, I need to figure this out for myself, for other people. So I really just threw myself into studying every part of dating, relationships, communication, polarity, all the things that I could to figure out what was going on. And once I was able to make some progress and start moving things forward, I started testing it out on my private practice clients and giving them the practices that I was doing and and teaching them. And all of a sudden, they were having breakthroughs and they were having success too. And I just realized at that point, this is so what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, I was able to figure it out for myself, help my clients figure it out, um, started working at eHarmony and was working with people there, matchmaking and doing dating coaching and helping my clients bring in love and... I just transitioned from my therapy practice all into this because it was just so incredibly rewarding to help people figure out what's been blocking them from finding great love. 
Yeah. And it is such the part of our lives that is pretty much all encompassing, right? I mean, we know when we are thriving in our relationships, everything else in our life is better, right? We're happier in our jobs. We're happier with our hobbies. We're happier in the work and the volunteer work we're doing in the community. Everything else just feels better if we have that strong connection. But so often what we're doing isn't bringing us that love that we desire. And we're stuck in ruts and, and maybe have some blind spots about those ruts. At the same time, what I see with some of the women in my community is then starting to get self-critical. So when you are dealing with the clients that you're working with, I know you talk a lot about these beliefs and there may be these these subconscious beliefs that they're operating from. And I talk about that all the time. My favorite therapeutic modality is CBT. And of course, we look at our thoughts and those are always grounded in beliefs. And sometimes those beliefs are out of our awareness. We really have to start unpacking what is generating and fueling those thoughts. It's those beliefs. And until we examine those and challenge them, oftentimes, we're really operating at a deficit unbeknownst to us. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I I think they are our beliefs they can sabotage us in so many ways when it comes to relationships and finding a good partner. And it's like, we don't even realize it. We have no idea that it's getting in our way and it's totally blocking us. Yeah. What are some of the ones that you, when you're working with your clients that you're seeing like, oh my gosh, she doesn't realize that this is the belief that's really propelling her in these directions that aren't serving her and getting her in relationships that aren't serving her and aren't a good fit for her. Yeah. I would say the most popular one, (laughs) if we can have popularity for beliefs, is is, uh, I'm not enough. You know, I'm not, I must not be enough in some way. This isn't happening because I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not funny enough. There's a lot of forms that I'm not enough comes in. And I find that Mm -hmm. most people I work with have some form of I'm not enough. I think there's also on the flip side, I'm too much. Maybe I'm too much. I'm too intense, too overwhelming, too successful, too pretty. I'm intimidating. Or, you know, there's there's that flip side. There's also love is just not going to happen for me. Like I'm probably going to be alone forever. Or I can't trust people. Men are going to leave. Or it's not safe to share how I really feel because it'll push the other person away. So I should hold it in. All of that stuff, it just really gets in the way Because, you know, our beliefs are like magnets. And so they're attracting Mm -hmm. in people and experiences that match them and reflect our beliefs back to us. So the more that we have these subconscious beliefs running in our system, the more we continue to draw in people that mirror those beliefs back to us. Exactly. And it's so... It's so hard to watch because you know that the beliefs are profound and they are so powerful. And in psych, we talk about the confirmation bias, which is a social psych term where we know that we are going to look for examples that confirm our bias. And if that bias is not serving us and supporting us, that that bias is not empowering, rather it's disempowering, we will actively project onto our world around us what we don't want, but it's because it's that belief that we have. We're going to look for those examples to confirm it. So it it can be so debilitating. What do you do with clients who might say, well, Melanie, no, though. I mean, honestly, like I'm I'm 45 now and every single relationship, it's always tanked and I always get the unavailable men. So I don't believe that men are available or at least not to me. Maybe they're available, emotionally available to other women, but not to me. And maybe it's something from childhood. Maybe their father wasn't around you know, psych 101 Mm -hmm. kind of explanations, but although they're psych 101, they're also very profound and powerful. So what kinds of things can you do to help alter these beliefs when they feel so true? Yeah, I know. And that's, and that's the hardest thing for people is how to reprogram those beliefs that have really become our default. So for me, I walk my clients through, I've got a, a whole bunch of different exercises and tools that I set them up with to work on every single day for at least 40 days in a row. Because if we're going to change a habit, we've got to get in there every day. You know, otherwise our default is just going to continue to be there. So I always tell people, you know, when they put the sticky note on their bathroom mirror that says, you are enough or love's going to find you. I'm always, you know, thinking great A plus for trying. Like I love that you're trying to work to rewire it, but just looking at a piece of paper isn't going to do it. 
I think working with it daily and really looking and examining at what is this belief I have? When do I first remember feeling this? Did I feel this way in sixth grade or when I was five? Or, you know, is this an old belief? Like, what, where, what are the roots of this belief? And really looking at that and then examining what is actually true. Is this really true? Or is this just a story I've told myself based on experiences that I've had in the past that haven't gone my way? That would be the first step, really unpacking it and looking at what is the belief? What are the roots of this belief? And is this actually true or just this story or fear that I have? And I think that when you can really start peeling the layers in there, that's so helpful. Yeah. And you mentioned fear. And I've heard it put this way that pretty much all of our energy is either grounded in love or fear. Mm. And so often those stories we're telling ourselves, as you put it, and those beliefs, they're grounded in this fear. And the painful reality is that when we are operating from a fear-based position, we are absolutely going to create the fear itself. <laughs> like yeah. We're going to absolutely make that fear. We're going to manifest it. We're going to make it happen. Yep. And it's just so painful to watch. But I know that that's a lot of what, the work you do. And I appreciate that you're talking about making it a habit, right? You talked about 40 days. Yes, starting with the post-it note is fine. But you have to really start tackling that in an intentional way, which is why I love REBT, which looks at our irrational beliefs mm. and challenging them. And I, I had to do that myself. I was learning this stuff as a former psychotherapist myself. And then mm -hmm. I realized, you know, I, I have some irrational beliefs that are rolling around in my head and they yeah. are crippling me. They are yeah. making me sad. They're making me depressed. What am I doing? Why am I allowing this? Allowing this? And so when you're dealing with these beliefs, I'm sure at first people really push back. And I encourage people to recognize at first, you're going to feel like you're lying to yourself because you've been so mm -hmm. indoctrinated in these other false beliefs that the mm -hmm. true beliefs seem false to you. So you have mm -hmm. to kind of push through that. Okay, I have to believe in this, even though in the moment, it doesn't really feel real. It feels hokey. It feels like I'm lying to myself. Mm -hmm. So what kind of resistance do you get? And then how do you help clients move through that? Yeah. And there is a lot of resistance at this yeah. stage. You know, when I'm working with my private clients, I mean, we have a whole session where I get in the ring with them. I, I feel like we're in the ring and we're just yeah. going back and forth boxing and they're like, but this is true. And I'm like, is it really? And then we, <laughs> we go back and forth. But I really challenge each person's belief, you know, when they're coming to me and let's say they have a belief, I'm not enough and I'm going to be alone forever. They're like, well, I really think that's true. You know, I, I haven't found anybody and I'm, I'm alone and everyone else that I know has partner. And, and then it's, I really counteract it. I'm like, okay, so is it really true? You're not enough. Cause from what I can see, you've got friendships and family, you've got all these different, all of this love in your life from these different sources. So it's hard for me to believe you're not enough. Cause there's so much love in your life, you know? And so I'm looking for the holes in their story, the gaps. And then I'm pointing out where they're missing pieces here. And, you know, really asking them, is it possible that this isn't true and that your beliefs have been attracting this or that you've been blocked in certain ways? And it's not that you're not enough or you're not worthy. It's that you've had some blocks and you just haven't moved through them yet. And that's been getting in your way. So I just get in there and every thing that they're counteracting and saying, no, 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 I'm going in there and, and helping them pull it apart. I have been recently talking to some clients about that exact same thing. And it's something that I did with myself as I was trying to make sense of why I was single for as long as I was. I didn't get married until I was 42, mm. called off an engagement at 34. So had a lot mm. of <laughs> ups and downs in the dating yep. scene. Yeah, kind of been through it. But one of the things I had to, to remind myself, and again, it was that, that taking control of my thoughts and looking at the beliefs. The belief is when you're 40 and you're still single in air quotes, but that's how it feels. Yeah. Then I had to go, am I unlovable? Like these kind of questions, the self-doubt can creep in. Right. But I had to say exactly what you said to, and what you say to your clients. No, I'm lovable. I have 
deep, deep friendships. People love me and I love them. I have a lot of love in my heart to give yeah. to my family, to my parents, to my brothers, to my sisters-in-law and, and nieces and nephews. And I had to believe that that love would generalize to a healthy, fulfilling, romantic relationship when I met my right person for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm encouraging my clients too, because I think sometimes they go, well, wait, maybe I don't have what it takes. Maybe I just don't have the skill set to have a healthy relationship, a romantic partnership. And I say, no, because if you look at your world, unless you are a total recluse, and that's a choice then someone's making to live that life, mm-hmm. most of us have very full relationships. We know what it feels like to have that deep intimacy in those friendships and family relationships. And they yep. absolutely, those skills generalize to the romantic realm, even if it's been a long time since you've had a partner, or it's been, you never really had that deep romantic connection yet in adulthood. And it's scary again that you never mm-hmm. will, but I try to remind my community you have what it takes. Yeah. And I think it's really owning your worth as that your worth is separate from whether or not you're in a relationship or not. You know, whether or not someone is giving you validation or choosing you has nothing to do with how worthy you are as a partner and and what's going to come to you in the future. And I think so many people, they, they feel like if people aren't coming in and choosing them and they're not getting the partners they want, that it means that there's something wrong with them. And it's it's so important to separate that and get that our value and worth has nothing to do with our relationship status. And that's really hard for people because our culture really looks at partnership as the norm. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with you. And that's something I had to work on as well as I was single. I had to go, I'm not going to let my relationship status define me. It is Mm -hmm. not going to tell me or anyone else. They can think what they want. I can't control them. But for me, I will not walk around feeling less than because I'm not currently in a partnership. That is absurd. It's turning over control of my feeling about myself, my self-worth, my self-esteem. I'm turning that over to something that's out of my control at this moment and external validation. I want to be internally validated. It's really looking at some of these assumptions about, well, she's normal, quote unquote, because she got married at the quote unquote appropriate time and has the family and has the life and the picket fence. And I'm not normal because my life path hasn't gone in that direction. And so we give these notions, we give them all this power and we don't have to do that. I know it's so crazy. And I I think this this whole idea of normal, I mean, I feel like we need to shake the snow globe up of what is normal (laughs) and just go, it's like, we're all different. I believe we're all here. We all have our own learning curriculums to go through. Like our souls are here on this planet to move through their own unique learning curriculums. And we all have different ones. And so to compare my journey to your journey to, you know, that other person's journey, it's like apples to oranges where it's all different. So I think it's really being in our own, not comparing ourselves and really just looking at what is my experience and how can I work with this more effectively right now? So I have more peace and I feel more empowered. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever wished you had a therapist on call to support you whenever needed? Well, now there's an app for that. Therapy app brings cognitive behavioral therapeutic techniques to your phone so you can access mindset support any time of day or night. Therapy's courses address self-esteem, anxiety, grief, insomnia, and fear of flying, with modules on procrastination and anger management, and more coming soon. The courses are written by certified therapists and based on CBT. Simply choose a course, listen to a short audio session, and complete the structured exercises to reinforce what you've learned. Just 20 minutes a day will help you improve your mental health and emotional well-being. CBT clients become their own therapists. We unpack our thought processes to better understand our behavioral patterns, which in turn helps us make healthier choices, which serve our goals in love and life. Level up your life today by downloading therapy to get CBT coaching right on your phone. That's therapy app with two P's, T-H-E-R-A-P-P-Y. You talk a lot about these blocks. You mentioned earlier, these blocks that we may have in our way, again, unbeknownst to us. 
And you talk about that lack of fulfillment, like we talked about a moment ago, the self-worth piece. How does a lack of fulfillment in myself, if I'm on the dating scene and I'm not seeing myself as enough, how does that create a barrier and a block to finding love where I might think, and again, I don't think people intentionally do this, but I think down deep, some people think, well, I'll feel fulfilled and whole once I get that person. When I find them. Right, right. Yeah. So, and this is something I have a lot of personal experience with because what I realized was that I was dating, I was not fulfilled. And so I was dating from this place of, I need someone to come in and make me feel whole. You know, I need someone to come in and save me from all my fears and insecurities and make me feel good. So I wasn't fulfilled in my own life. And so when you're not fulfilled, then you're really, you hand your power over to the other person. If you come in, if you choose me, I'll feel worthy and fulfilled and happy and whole. That gives the other person a whole lot of power and you have none. And so what I found happened was that I was dating from this place of like real insecurity because I wasn't fulfilled. And so because I was insecure, I was hyper-focusing on the other person. I was holding in because I was afraid to rock the boat because I didn't want Mm -hmm. them to leave because, hey, you're the key to my fulfillment. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to rock the boat in any way. I don't want to say anything that might disturb you. So I was holding in all of my feelings and not acting like myself. You know, I mean, I was, I remember this one lawyer I dated once who was like all fancy pants and I just thought he was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, you know, I'm a pretty casual person, but I thought, oh, I've got to dress the part. I've got to look like, what would a lawyer's wife look like? And so I was where I remember putting on like this gown kind of, I, I bought this like dress that kind of felt like a gown. It was nothing I would ever wear. And I wore it to one of our dates and I was, you know, hiding my car and the dent in my car. I didn't want him to see it. And, you know, I, there was so much insecurity. I wasn't being myself. So of course we end up not connecting or he doesn't choose me because I'm not being real. Like if I'm playing the part of who I think you want me to be, then you're not actually able to feel my heart. We're not actually able to have emotional intimacy because I'm being fake. I'm not, I'm not right. being myself. So how can we really drop in and, and feel each other's hearts and connect if I'm doing a little pony show for you? So that I realized in the end, like all, there are these men that I dated that I really liked, but because I wasn't able to be authentically myself and I was just acting weird um, because I was so insecure, they never picked me. And so it, that's, I think that that's where it gets in people's way is they hand over their power. They stop acting authentically. They come from fear because they're not fulfilled. And then it never works. So that's how, that's the, what I see happening when people aren't fulfilled. It's so true. Back to that place of fear. It reminds me of also Eric Erickson's work, which looked at we need to have a full sense of identity before we can have true intimacy, which is so true. And you say it, it's so obvious, right? But we so often are operating from this place of, no, I'll get that identity, right? I'll be the lawyer's wife. That will be my identity. And I'll get that through my intimacy. But it doesn't work that way. And, And like you said, there's no ability to have true, deep intimacy if we are putting on some sort of facade. But it's tempting because again, we go, well, nothing else has worked. So I guess I better try to adjust this or that, the other, and be who the kind of person that I want to be with wants instead of realizing that, no, you don't want to be with anyone who doesn't want you. 100% you. I know people. Yeah. And (laughs) and I think too, a lot of people use sexuality to try to hook a man in. They think like, oh, if I hook up with him early, I can, he'll be addicted to me and he'll choose me and he'll just see, oh my God, I'm so amazing. And that doesn't work either, you know, because you have to be able, in order to have the kind of relationship you want, you have to drop in and be real and be able to be vulnerable and show your heart. Yeah. If we're not fulfilled, it's hard to do that. And I love that you brought up vulnerability because I completely agree. And then also one of the things that I'm kind of trying to sort out with my community is sometimes they've heard this vulnerability stuff and all the Brene Brown research and they're like, yes, that's what I want. But sometimes I'm fearful they're being a little too vulnerable too early. 
maybe some of this vulnerability <laughs> needs to be yeah. needs to be kind of rolled out in an appropriate pacing, but it's kind of hard to suss that out. Like what is appropriate pacing? And like you spoke to, sometimes there's the giving the, the physical element of the relationship that's on the fast track and hoping that that's going to then solidify things. But with men and women, and this goes back to evolutionary psych research and the way that men and women biologically are wired, women will bond quickly with that sex. Guys will be like, yeah, that's great. Thanks. But they won't but necessarily be like, it was fun later. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and a woman's like, oh my God, it's my dream guy. Like right. we're having deep feelings. They're having totally different experiences. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what are your recommendations for vulnerability? Do you kind of have any uh, just kind of bullet oh, points? Right. Like let's be vulnerable, but also let's be mindful of the pacing. Yeah. I think, you know, there, I think there's a spectrum of vulnerability from my stomach hurts right now. Yeah, um, yeah. To, you know, I was abused as a child. I was, you know, sexually abused as a child. It's like, you know, there's a spectrum. And so I think that when you're first dating someone, especially in the very beginning, you want to be able to be vulnerable and drop in and have them fill your heart. But obviously you're not going to share if you were, you know, a deep abuse, you know, like that might be, that's a little closer to your heart. Like that person doesn't, they haven't earned your trust yet yes. to give them that. So I think sharing things that you're not going to be heartbroken if you never see this person again. So I always say, you know, for instance, like if you're on a first date and you're talking about how much you've grown this year and, and all the things you've been learning in the last few years, and you say something like, I started seeing this therapist because I was feeling really depressed at one point and I was just really low and I wanted to get help. And it's been such a game changer to have someone to talk to about what's been going on. And I've grown so much. Now, when you talk about that and you're talking about your therapist and that that they really helped you, that's vulnerable, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. something you walk around, you don't have a flag walking around town like, I see a therapist. But <laughs> so you're being vulnerable. But if you never see the person again, it's like, okay, so they know you're seeing a therapist. Cool. A million other people mm -hmm. are too. So I think it's just looking at what do you feel comfortable sharing that if you never see them again, you'd be okay. And it just, this is an authentic expression of who you are. I like that. The authentic expression. Also, that kind of check is if I never see this person again, I won't have felt like I spilled my guts and that I'm out there wide open to everyone. And I also think it's really important too the way that you framed that example is that I've had some stuff going on emotionally and I took responsibility for it. I took yeah. action. To me, that if I were on a date with that person, I'd be like, that's sexy because I'm not going to have to micromanage this person's emotional state. They yeah. are they are taking ownership for their emotional well-being and demonstrating that to me. So, I mean, I think that's a great example of how we can be vulnerable, but also not lay ourselves bare because, as I know that you work with some of your clients in this realm as well, sometimes there are people who want to see those vulnerabilities and they're ready to pounce on them and they're going to manipulate yeah. them. There are predators out there. So the wise savvy dater is going to share, but like you said, not so much that you'd feel super open and exposed should you not see this person again. And also not so much that some predator is going to go, okay, great. I've got a, a bird with a broken wing here. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I think when you meet someone new as well, I mean, even if you are going through something in the moment, you know, you don't, you don't trust with this person yet. They're just a right. stranger. So I think if something is fresh and raw, that might not be something you want to share at that moment. You know, you might want to wait till you can share it from a more grounded place. So I yeah. think it's keeping that stuff in mind, you know, drop in and talk about things you've gone through and how you've come out of it. That is so attractive. So, I mean, people are so afraid to be vulnerable, but if you're able to share things that are vulnerable and show how you've grown and what you've learned from it and and how it's helped shape you. That's really attractive and beautiful. Yeah. And I think that is the the piece where you can show that side of yourself without opening yourself up to being hurt or feeling exposed, like you were saying earlier. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. 
So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. You also were talking about some communication challenges that can block a person from finding love. So Mm. are you speaking here when you think about these kind of communication challenges? Are you saying within the relationship or even before we're getting to that point of being in an exclusive relationship, do you see some problematic communication patterns? I see problematic communication patterns everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Before, after, during, yeah. Right, Um, right. I think, you know, the... The main ones I see that I think get in people's way, I think the first one is just not communicating um, and and holding it in for fear that you'll push them away. And obviously, as we just talked about, that's going to destroy your connection because there's no int- there's no real emotional intimacy if you're not being authentic. Um, but the other thing with communication that I see gets in people's way a lot is blaming and shaming, you know, like when you, all of a sudden you feel something like you get triggered or you feel hurt, you know, by something the other person did and coming at them in a way where you're kind of putting them down. Like let's say someone's late to a date, you know, and going, wow, well, that's, that's rude. I mean, you're just going to have me sitting here waiting. Like what's up with that? Now you're putting them on the defensive and the connection's not going to go anywhere. If they arrive to the table late and you're putting them down and, and shaming them, it's not going to go anywhere. But if you're able to say, oh, that was challenging. I wasn't sure if you were going to come. I was kind of feeling vulnerable sitting here. Um, you know, if, if we go out again next time, if you give me a heads up, that would be really helpful. Now you're, you know, you're stating a need. You're being soft. You're not shaming. So much more can open up when you're able to share your experience and what you need more of versus attacking the other person. And I see so many people attacking and it just destroys connection. Yeah. And I, I know if I were late, I mean, I was late to like our second date, I think with my husband and me, and uh, and he is a very punctual person. You know, I oh, was yeah. a professor at the time. So I'm a little bit, you know, absent-minded professor kind of thing. Uh, and he is very punctual. And I don't think he, I mean, he obviously didn't attack me and come at me like that, yeah. but I mean, it was, it was like, it was able to be communicated at some point, maybe in the next date or something. It, it was just kind of subtly woven in like, like exactly what you said, that he values punctuality, which I yeah. get that it's a, it's showing respect totally. for the other person, but he was able to communicate it in a way that I could receive it and also go, okay, this is a man, it's a boundary, right? He's showing me yeah. like, this is the way I roll. And as you are dating, even those first couple of dates, you're trying to get a feel for whether or not you could be a match. And yeah. yeah, and if I was someone who could not ever be punctual, which is not the case, but I will admit, like sometimes I'm a little bit more lax with with time. And, and actually, we talked about that later because yeah. I was like, I, I was telling him on my perspective, sometimes I am late for something because if I'm deeply in conversation with someone, like with a friend, I told him I was like, relationships for me will always come above some sort of time schedule. That if, if the time mm-hmm. Time frame feels more arbitrary. Like yeah. to me, I'm not going to lock into a, a deadline just because it's there. If yeah. there's got to be, to me, in that moment, connecting deeply with my friend is going to trump that. But, yeah. you know, so, so we were able to share our values about time. And I honored his value that, yes, it is respectful of people to to honor a, a set schedule. And then also he's able to honor my value about time. And we've obviously found a way to kind of work with each other. And again, not attack each other, yeah. but see time through each other's eyes to a degree. He'll always be more punctual than I am, but he's, mm-hmm. he, and he'll tell the story now. I'd be like, well, I had to learn that about Karen. And then when I realized I love her heart, uh-huh. I, I understand that value from her perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so that that's kind of what you're doing even in those early days of dating. Yeah, it's understanding. I mean, it's all about being authentic and being able to communicate with love and kindness and and directness and then see where you go from there. I mean, you learn really valuable information by being authentic and sharing from your heart because if he said to you, "Hey, you know, I 
totally get you've got a lot going on um, and your life's really full and I really value punctuality. And, you know, if he was able to express that to you and you said, well, you know, this is just the way it is. So I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Then he's going to go, okay, this is not a good match for me. Right. I think it's so important. I mean, people are so afraid of losing someone and the person going away. And especially when you're really attracted to them. Oh, I don't want to mess it up. But I think it's so important to put yourself out there and see, see how they handle it when you're being authentic, Mm -hmm. see how they handle it when you feel hurt and you share that. But definitely if you're coming from, if you're coming from a triggered place where you're wounded and you haven't healed the wound. And so you're kind of reacting and coming at them with anger and, and all that, that, that will destroy connection. Yeah. A healthy person is going to run from that. They're yeah. not going to be wanting to have someone come at them, especially early in dating with that kind of energy, that attacking, like you said, someone triggered and not being able to manage. Like we're going to get triggered all the time. That's called life. But what do totally. we do with that? We don't dump that onto someone, certainly not someone we've just met. I mean, a healthy person yeah. would be like, you know what? I'm not trying to take this on. <laughs> like right. I'm looking for and a partner. Why, <laughs> right. And that's why it's so important. And, you know, it, it's so important to take the time and do as much work as we can. You know, if you're single, to really use that time to look at yourself and look at any wounding that needs some attention and places within you that need some love and and work on healing these different places because then you're able to show up to dating from a clean and clear place as much as possible. And you're not coming from trigger and wounds as much. You're able to really show up from this beautiful, healthy place. So I always say being single is such an opportunity. You know, you really have this wonderful opportunity to do your inner work and and evolve and become a better version of yourself. That is so true. And I love to reframe those single years can sometimes feel like, oh, this is longer than I wanted to be single. I'm I'm dating longer than I wanted to. And I'm feeling that, yeah, I'm getting knocked down and and bruised up in this dating (laughs) landscape. But to look at it as an opportunity, and that's a very powerful reframe. And it gets back to those beliefs that we talked about. What do I believe about my single season? Is this a, a season for me to do my inner work, try to heal things internally so that I can present myself the fullness of myself and not present onto the dating scene this woundedness that then is either going to be exploited by someone or is going to keep me in this constant state of being triggered and not finding what I want. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, will learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood, will identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals, and will together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. What do you say to women? Because we've dealt with this, the cliche of the emotionally unavailable man. And maybe they even kind of recognize they have a handle on the fact that they're doing this. They're like, this is a pattern and they're aware of it, but they're having a hard time still breaking that pattern. What kind of strategies do you have for them? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when it comes to emotionally unavailable men and attracting them in over and over again, I think the first place to start is your beliefs. Because usually if we're drawing in someone who's unavailable, I find that most people have a belief of I'm not enough or I'm never going to find anyone. There's a lack of great guys out there, whatever it is that's causing them they're willing to take the little crumbs they're getting from this person who's not fully available. They're willing to take that because they have these beliefs that say that they can't get more or like they better jump on this. So first, making sure that you have rewired and reprogrammed the beliefs you have that are causing you to settle for crumbs. So that Mm. is so important. And I think also just being aware, you know, sometimes if we had a caregiver that, you know, they were unavailable on some level, you know, maybe they were present, but then pulled away, you know, back and forth constantly, like we didn't feel the consistency there in the relationship. 
that might be a dynamic that we're familiar with. And so we feel like almost when we meet someone and they're not totally available and they are sometimes and then they're not, that feels familiar. So sometimes we're drawn to unavailable people because it mirrors the relationships that we had as a child. And so it's just so important to be aware and kind of just tune into, is this a dynamic I had in my childhood that I'm just familiar with? And I, this, and I, so I keep attracting it in because it feels like home to me. And so I think mindfulness in that area and also uh, really working on those beliefs to make sure that, that no part of you is willing to settle for crumbs at all. Yeah, it always goes back to beliefs and it, the, they're so powerful and they really will permeate every aspect of our relationships. Beliefs like, I'm just not a looker, so I'm not going to probably attract the mm-hmm. kind of person I want or my personality isn't effervescent enough or I just, yeah. I don't sparkle. I'm just kind of low key in the background type person. And so often to me, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. I mean, you would line up like say 10 women. Mm-hmm. And feature for feature, they could be rated by a group of a thousand people as being exact same <laughs> level of attractiveness, right? Yeah. But those 10 women, I'm telling you, it's the one who just walked out with her shoulders back like, I'm the deal. <laughs> Good. Totally. Lucky you if you get me, guys. Yes. Those are the ones that would get the guy. And they are no, they objectively are not any more attractive than anyone else in that lineup. But they have the attitude. They have the verve. They've got the swagger. And that's attractive. It's everything. I always, I, it's funny. I always use that example. I, I, my example is always, you've got identical twins, you know, and and one has these beliefs of I'm not enough and no one's ever going to love me. And I, no one's going to accept me as I am. And I'm going to be alone forever. And I can't be authentic because people are going to run. And then the other one's like, I freaking love myself. Like, like I love my life and the people in it. And I'm, they're like comfortable in themselves and they hold their head high and they're fulfilled. They love what they're doing in their life. Which person is going to be more radiant and attractive? It's like, it's so obvious. So, you know, energy is everything. And I always tell people, because people want to know, what can I do to get a guy? What can I do to make this easier? And I say, it's less about what you're doing and it's more about who you're being. Where is your energy? Where are your thoughts? Because whatever you're putting your attention towards, you're going to draw more of that in. So if you're a Debbie Downer and in victim mentality, absolutely, you're going to get more things that that, uh, validate that you're a victim. But if you really see that life is supporting you and that everything is unfolding perfectly as it needs to, then you're going to be relaxed and your energy is going to be in such a better place and you're going to attract people in with way more ease. Yeah. And I think that's probably some of that deeper level work that clients can do with a coach, a therapist, anyone who can help them. Because I think It's hard enough, but if you're coming from a place of like, I deep down don't believe that I am pretty enough, for example, or Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said earlier, like I deep down believe that I am too many pounds overweight to attract the type of person that I would want to be with. If you're operating from that fundamental belief, I don't see how you could possibly have success on the dating scene. No, you, it's really, it would be really hard to. And if you do end up getting a partner, usually you end up in a codependent relationship because you don't feel you're enough on your own. So you become dependent and it just creates unhealthy dynamics. So the more time people can take to really work on any of those negative or limiting beliefs that have sort of hijacked them, their brain, um, the better off you'll be. Yeah. And it's going to take some work and it's going to, like you said, it's going to take some rewiring. Yeah. And like you said, getting in the ring with your thoughts and disputing them and challenging them and, and doing that work. I, I had a friend once and she was kind of the example that we were talking about. She said that her parents were both pretty critical and Mm -hmm. she was one of several sisters and she was always told she wasn't the pretty one, but she had a nice personality. Mm -hmm. And right. And so she remembers in middle school, like looking in the mirror and giving herself pep talks, like, okay, 
and trying to, even at that tender age, go, all right, so apparently I don't have all these things going for me as a looker, but I am going to like, Aww. like looking at it in the mirror and going like, okay, it's you and me, kid. So we've right. got to, yeah, we've got to make ourselves feel better because we're not getting the affirmation from the parents and, and trying to do whatever she had to do to go shoulders back. I'm presenting myself into this space, whether she was trying to get a date for the middle school dance or whatever, but trying yeah. to do for herself what hadn't been given to her. That's amazing. It's amazing that she was able to do that. I think so many people when you're young and your parents are super critical and harsh with you, it's hard for you to pull yourself away. I mean, I know for myself, I... I, there was a big focus growing up in LA and in the area I was living in. The the big focus was on looks. It was all about sure. looking good and uh, how beautiful you are. And so that created so many issues for me and eating disorders and and just really impacted my self esteem. And so I, I wasn't able to see at that time. Oh, it's beyond looks, Melanie. Like you're a great person. Like I just saw it as this is who I am. If I'm not a certain weight or I don't look a certain way, I'm not enough. So the fact that your friend was able to see outside of that is awesome, amazing. I, know. I, I thought it was pretty impressive when she was telling me this. Her. Yeah, I know. As a young kid in middle school, when middle school is horrible, she's a badass. That's amazing. I know. I know. So great. Are you looking for customized, personalized gifts? Mugshop Montreal by Brie Jackson has got you covered. She offers a beautiful selection of high-quality, personalized custom products. What started off as a fun project for family and friends soon developed into a passion for creating custom keepsakes for anyone, for any occasion. She decided to take the plunge and follow her artistic vision by creating Mug Shop Montreal, a home-based business where she collaborates directly with her clients, using their inspiration to design a detailed, heartwarming souvenir that many have given as gifts or have decided to keep for themselves. You can visit her on Instagram and Facebook at Mug Shop Montreal to browse her lovely products. Well, Melanie, as we wrap up, I know that you have an online dating course coming up. And can you tease that a little bit? I don't think the dating apps are going anywhere. I think this is part of the dating landscape. And it's something that I don't think too many people really enjoy that much. So how can they have more success and, and be able to be more savvy with their online dating and app dating experience? Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to be teaching this. It's a workshop and it's called The Art of Empowered Swiping. I really want to help people get to a place where they don't dread online dating, where it doesn't burn them out. A lot of women I work with, and I know that this was the case with me back in the day, it's like you constantly want to delete the app and then you get back on it because you're like, I'm not meeting anyone. And then you're like, oh, I delete it again. And I want to see people stop deleting it because you never know when your person's going to sign up. You know, like you might get off the app and a week later, your ideal match shows up and you're not there because you were frustrated. I don't want you to miss out on meeting the right people because you keep deleting the apps out of frustration. So in the workshop, I'm going to be teaching people different strategies for how to optimize online dating, how to create a profile that really calls in and attracts like-minded men how to navigate the app so you're not burnt out and endlessly texting with men back and forth and feeling drained and yeah, how to have more fun in the process. I'm going to work on mindset. I'm going to work on literally what to be putting in your profile that's going to help you so much when you make a few little adjustments to how you write your profile. We're going to go deep into all aspects of online dating and just how to structure it. People are always like, what are the best apps? And you know, they have all these questions. I'm going to cover everything. But I also, I created, I'm super excited for this because I wish I had this when I was dating, but I created this PDF of scripts. So basically it's like a cheat sheet for, (laughs) you know, when those challenging, like those vulnerable conversations come up or the things that just feel a little challenging and you're not quite sure, like, how do I phrase this? Or I want to ask for exclusivity or I want to know where they're at, or I want to slow things down, but I don't want them to feel like I'm not interested. I wrote like this whole cheat sheet. So I am so excited to share with people all of this and just help people have more fun and more success in online dating because it's an incredible way to meet new 
great people that are potential wonderful matches for you. So I'm super excited. So yeah, that's this weekend on Sunday and I can't wait. Okay. Yeah. So when is it again? It's Sunday, July, July 25th, (laughs) uh, Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. I'm going to be doing this this workshop. Okay, great. Yeah. So I would love to be able to direct my community your way for that. And so is there a link or where should they find you on social media to to sign up? How do they do that? So you can go to theartofempoweredswiping.com. And for you and your listeners, I'm going to give you a a special code so that they can get 10% off. So they can put in Karen 10. Okay. And they'll get a little discount because they're coming from your community. Yay. That's great. I appreciate that, Melanie. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. This is, yeah. it's really coming at the right time. I, I literally have had some people in my community very recently speak to this frustration and I said to them, okay, I'm going to be on the lookout for any resources for you. So actually the timing oh. is perfect. Oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. That's so perfect. We're going to go deep. I mean, it's going to be, you know, It'll probably end up going like three hours and we're just going to drop in and I, yeah, and I'll be answering questions and really supporting people. So it's going to be great. Excellent. I love that. And I also know you have a blind spot eliminator session. We've talked about blind spots and and blockages today, and that's something they can find at your website. Yeah. So you can go to good at you, all spelled out.com and you can sign up there for a blind spot eliminator session where we hop on the phone and I hear a little bit about what you're going through and what you're struggling with. And I help you see what's really going on and what are the things that you're not seeing that are key for you to work on to break through these blocks. So yeah, if anybody wants to sign up for that, feel free to do that on my website. Thank you so much. And yeah, your social media, can they social find you? Media, I'm at yeah. Melanie Hirsch on Instagram. That's where I'm most active on Instagram. And then on Facebook, I'm at good at you. I should probably make them the same, but they're different. Um, And yeah, I'm on there all the time posting videos and just giving tips and and little tricks and and pep talks and stuff like that. So if you're wanting encouragement in dating uh, and to kind of get into a more empowered space with it, definitely check that out. I love it. I recently rolled out a little freebie for anyone who wanted to join my email community and I called it the Empowered Dating Playbook. So you and I are on the same wavelength with this empowerment. Yeah. So yeah, I love everything about this and the art of empowered swiping. That's a very clever. And I also like that we've got the empowered piece in there because I do think that people often feel on these apps, they feel out of control. They feel very disempowered. So this is great, Melanie. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope some of my community will take advantage of your workshop and, uh, yeah, I just appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with you. The love and life hack for this week is a quote by Rumi. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. As always, thank you so much for sharing a portion of your day with me. I'm so grateful you are part of the Love and Life family. Be sure to take advantage of Melanie's online dating seminar this Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Sign up at theartofempoweredswiping.com and be sure to use promo code KAREN10, K-A-R-I-N-1-0, for 10% off the ticket price of $47. Speaking of empowered dating, if you haven't had the chance to grab your free empowered dating playbook, you can do so today by going to my website, loveandlifemedia.com. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson April. Thanks again for joining us today. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.